0: This is Faithcast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org/live. Now, on to the message. Hey, come on, Victory Faith! Thank you so much. Can we give it up one more time for Jesus in this place? Come on. Oh, God, we give you our best praise. We love you. We worship you. Go, go ahead and, and grab your seat. You know, the psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So come on, God's job is to make the day. Our job is, to, is what we make of the day. Come on, let's rejoice. Let's, let's make something of this day. Let's rejoice in the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And uh, I just, I wanna say uh, the worship in this house is absolutely anointed, and I love, love, love that Victory Faith as a house is a presence-driven church. And I just got this deep sense that as you continue to make worship the main event, because how many know that worship isn't like, okay, let's warm it up so somebody can get up and read a few scripture, But as you continue to make worship the main event and put priority on God's presence, God says, you're going to see even more. You're going to see my power. I believe that God has already been at work as we worship. And I believe that in a continued way, and I'm just adding seed to the soil that's already in the ground of this house, but in a continued way, people are going to be healed of cancer as you worship. People are going to be set free of addiction as you worship people are going to have their identity restored as you worship. I love that this is a worshiping house. And and I just got this sense of God is just, God loves your worship. When when victory faith lifts up worship, it's like all of heaven takes notice. And uh, my goodness, it's an honor and an absolute privilege to be with you today. Um, I've got my wife with me, Rochelle. Everybody wave and say hi. And she's... She's the real pastor of The Cause Church, and we, we do appreciate your prayers, and um, we absolutely feel it, and we, we love Victory Faith. We really do, and I would be remiss not to take just a minute of um, my, the, the time of my clock there. It's always ticking down on me, always, and I just want to honor your senior pastors in Craig. How many love your senior pastors, Craig and Moni? Come on, Victory Faith. <laughs> And what you just, you just celebrated what church anniversary, 35, 35 years. You are heroes to us. And this is not a preaching platitude. I'm not saying this because everybody's listening. You inspire Rochelle and I. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your yes. We love you. We appreciate you. It's an honor to stand in your pulpit today. And uh, my goodness, uh, Trevor and Heidi have um, become such dear friends and everything pastor trevor said i just i I just put right back on you and you speak into my life um with such prophetic um just absolutely exactly what i need all the time and uh how many love pastors trevor and heidi come on your their whole crew their family their I'll, I'll tell you, you know you got good leaders when all their kids are just crowding in around me worshiping Jesus and uh, right there in the house. So I want to get into it today, and uh, I believe that God has something just for you. Are you willing to believe that with me, that, that heaven's got a tailor-made just what you need right when you need it, come on, something in season? I believe because of Jesus, not because of me, but because of Jesus, you could come in one way and leave a different way. Today, Let's meet with God together. If you have a Bible, go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I want to jump in at verse 12. If you do have an old school paper Bible, why don't you wave it up in the air and just let people around you know you're more spiritual than they are because you're still rocking. Everybody else has got phones. There you go. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 12 Uh, reads like this. Now, King David, and by the way, I'm reading from the NIV version, that is the North Idaho version of the Bible. Best translation. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So the Ark of the Covenant, the the box that actually housed the presence of God had been uh, near Jerusalem, but had been neglected. And isn't that a prophetic statement for the days and the times we're living in where, of course, the presence of God is near, but yet can be neglected? Here comes, though, King David ready to bring back up the ark into the city of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken just six steps, He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. I find that very interesting, and I wonder if sometimes we have taken far too many steps without, once again, taking notice and returning to the presence of God to have a refreshed and renewed perspective, to have our hearts warmed once again with not just what we're doing, but why we're doing it. This is of the presence of God. Uh, Verse 14, Wearing a linen ephod, a.k.a. underwear, Uh, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with sound of trumpets and with drums and with guitars. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person, the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes because it's impossible for somebody to get into God's presence and for them to not become a blessing to all the other people. Did you know that it's a blessing to your kids? It's a blessing to the people you work with. It's a blessing to the people you go to church with when you get into the into God's presence. And uh, let me see, where am I? Uh, verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girl. You can, you can feel just dripping with sarcasm here. All the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will, in fact, become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death, I want to spend just a few minutes today, victory faith, what I believe is a, a prophetic word of the Lord for several of us in this room. I want to speak from the title standing ovation, standing ovation. I wonder, is anybody in the house today, are you uh, into the Enneagram at all? Do you know what the Enneagram is? Yes, yeah, so okay, a few hands, everybody else, this illustration is not going to do you much good. Okay, good, we got three of us. The Enneagram uh, is like a personality profile, and I, I, it, it's useful, uh, especially in maybe workplace contexts or in uh, with leadership teams, teams of people, and uh, my wife's really into it. I, I'm, I'm into it. My wife is, she's really into it, and she has diagnosed me. She says, you are a three. I'm a number three, and anytime I get to doing anything, she says, oh, well, you're doing that because you're a three. Well, here comes your three. And it always sounds vaguely judgmental when she's calling me a three. And so finally, the other day, I went and I wanted to look up what a three was all about. I, I believe that there's nine numbers within the Enneagram sort of profiling system. I'm a, I'm a number three. And I looked it up. It's under the category key motivations. They said this of a number three. They said, wants to be affirmed. I said, Okay. I get that, I wanna be affirmed, that's, yep. And then they went on and they said, to distinguish themselves from others. And now here's where it kind of took a turn for the negative. To have attention, to be admired and to impress others. I didn't love reading all of that. Uh, But to boil it all down, reduce it to its most simple form and my personality, I'm gonna struggle when it comes to wanting to please people. Now, I don't know if you're a number three. I don't know what number you are. Maybe, maybe with you, it doesn't matter if you are despised and overlooked and rejected. Go on, eye roll. Hello, somebody. But for me, I like it when people like me, call me crazy, but I like to be liked. And look, we all know that we shouldn't worry so much about what people think of us. We shouldn't worry so much about people's opinion of us. We know this. Our moms told us this. Everybody has always seemed to tell us this all our lives, but yet we all do it. And whatever number you are, uh, all of us on some level are gonna deal with this dynamic. You know, maybe in part for me. Uh, I've wrestled with this even extra because of my background and sort of where I come from. I, I came up playing music, and so at a young age, uh, I found myself on stages and, and at concerts and, and platforms, and here comes my number three again. I named my band. Watch this. I named it the Aaron Richner Band. Yeah, and uh, the Aaron Richner Band, we we toured all over and, and uh, played on on big platforms, and I didn't know it at the time, and maybe this is for somebody here, but even at that time, I, didn't, I wouldn't have been able to see it, but God was preparing me for my purpose, and I just want to let you know that this is connected to that, that what's happening now, God doesn't waste it. What's happening now is connected to what's Next, and, and I wouldn't known at the time, but God was preparing me for purpose, and and of course now it's a different motivation, it's a different outcome, and 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 but yet I still find myself on platforms, and I still have a, a crowd of people. There's an audience here today. There, there was a lot of similarities. I mean, we'd play at these concerts, and the crowd was always crazy because they were there, come on to party. It wasn't a Holy Ghost party. It was It was a different kind of party. And there was always a kind of certain smell, you know, floating through the air. And uh, but there was a lot of similarities. There was always that person in in the audience that would like everybody would cheer, but then they would they would yell overly loud. They'd be like the person that like stood out and was like yeah. But how many know that person's in church too? <laughs> Come on, there's always that person that it gets quiet and they're like Jesus. And everybody's like, we know you love Jesus more than everybody else. Okay, let's yeah, let's move. On. Or. <laughs> Or there was there was always that person that somehow became convinced that they were an awesome dancer, even though they were an awful dancer. Actually, those people are in church as well. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And uh, the crowds were always crazy and, and it was a good time in life. I'm, I'm glad that God had purpose for me out of that. But just a few months ago, we moved houses. And so I was looking through Uh, some old boxes and I found newspaper clippings and I was reminiscing about those days. And then I had God spoke to me, just spoke to my spirit. It wasn't an audible voice, you know, echoing off the garage, but just spoke to my spirit and said, everybody has an audience and most people have the wrong one. And I'm not saying you're on a platform, but I'm saying that all of us on some level, maybe at certain times more than at other times, uh, what we're doing, we're doing for a particular audience, that that we're on an internal platform and we're giving some type of performance. We're looking for the perception of certain people. And Maybe what you're doing right now, you're building your business and, and you're working hard and, and it's great and, and you're providing and you're achieving something and you're going to be able to give with generosity into the kingdom. And, and that's all good, but but what if you're motivated not just to do the work, but you're motivated to prove somebody else wrong? That person that said you were never gonna and you couldn't and you wouldn't. And so every time you have another profitable quarter, you see them and you're proving them wrong. We've all got an audience. That's what I'm trying to say. Not sitting out there, but, but sitting up in here. And, and, and for some of us, it might be a parent that's not even here any longer. I don't know who it is for you, but we've all got an audience. And then let us not forget that we've got these convenient devices that we pay great sums of money in a to be able to have that we carry around with us and through the platforms of Facebook and Instagram and Let Me Try and Be Young and TikTok. We allow ourselves to live out our own reality show, and just like other reality shows, 90% of it is fake, and we play the role of producer and actor. And now we often feel down because of the discrepancy that exists between our actual life and our Instagram life. And people will congratulate us on something that we know deep down is actually, uh, you know, like, like filtered and, and cropped and mostly fake. Part of the problem, watch me now, is that the crowd tends to clap for all the wrong stuff. We have a culture that will celebrate you buying a new car, but will forget about the fact that with that one little purchase, you lost all your peace because you can't even afford the payment. People will clap for an overnight success. But have you ever noticed that the claps tend to die out when you've been doing something faithfully year after year after year? Come on, uh, you'll get a million likes because you had a baby, but nobody likes the fact that you actually raised that baby. Somebody say amen. When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, you know what? I just, I want to congratulate you on your contentment. Like nobody ever does. Nobody's like, I just, come on, let's stand up and clap. They are so content. No, because our culture tends to celebrate what can be seen But we have a God that celebrates the unseen. And most of the time in God's sight, the unseen is far more important than the seen. So what I'm asking today, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking today from a text about a brand new king that decided to dance before the Lord until there was nothing left except an ephod, which is basically underwear. Not what are you doing, but a more important question is who are you doing it for? Because, watch this, it's very possible to get really good at knowing how to get the wrong crowd clapping. It was, David said to Michael, before the Lord, my dancing that you didn't like, by the way, I didn't even ask your opinion about my dance. Have you ever noticed people whose opinion you didn't solicit tend to give it to you anyway? Come on, you gotta get something in your spirit that says, I didn't even ask your opinion. I I sometimes, I gotta watch myself because I I gotta stay off sometimes our social media platforms, especially YouTube, because when we get some people creeping up on our YouTube and they have some comments for me, it's usually not about my theology. Usually it's about the way I dress. And I'm a preacher, so I do words. I can get poetic with my comebacks. I, I, come on, I can sting. And, and so I got I to gotta ask my wife, can I post this? She's like, you got to delete that right now. <laughs> so by faith, I delete those, those comeback comments. I'm getting salty and I just got to keep moving through my message. You know what I'm saying? It was before the Lord. That was the response. There is an audience, but my audience is one. It was before the Lord. See, Michael came and wanted to convince David to get the wrong crowd clapping. Is this really how you want to present yourself as king? Is this really how you want people's perception of you to be twirling around and leaping and dancing and you look like Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Come on, talk to me, 90s kids. And David's response was, hey, look, this was before the Lord. Yes, I am a king, but more important to that fact is that I have a king. I don't care about the approval of the crowd when I know that my king is clapping. I want to preach this right down into somebody's spirit today. They might have overlooked you, but God is looking at you. You don't want to, you don't want to move toward the clap of the wrong crowd. Because if you do, you'll spend your whole life in crisis. Because how many know they can unlike as easily as they can like? Because the the favor of the crowd is fickle. Because there will be people that come along, they won't even be able to compliment you, not because of a deficiency in you, but because of a deficiency in themselves. How can they give you something they don't have to give? You, you, You gotta be careful you're not following the clap of the wrong crowd. One moment they were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest place. And then turn it around and they were shouting, crucify him. Hey. If you live for the approval of the crowd, you're always going to end up feeling crucified. Who knows that junior high was the absolute worst? (laughs) Come on, somebody testify a victory. Junior high sucks. It was the worst. I mean, let's just take a brief moment and intercede for every junior higher of victory faith. We prophesy over your life. You're going to make it through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no mean girls for God is with you. That's the junior high translation of Psalm 23. When I was in junior high, I had to be looking fresh with that Tommy Hilfiger t-shirt, some extra baggy silver tab jeans. It's before your time for some of you. Some blonde streaks in my hair. My mom would help me out with those. <laughs> we all graduated junior high, unless you're a junior higher in this play. We all graduated junior high, but I'm not so sure some of us ever graduated from our need to be approved of by people i think for some of us it just got more expensive now it's not a t-shirt now we need a boat now we need to do whatever it takes to get that that name placard on our desk that maybe it costs us 17 years being basically absent from our kids life now now we got to get the house that's 2500 more square feet than we can afford so we can post a picture. Now, now, now we gotta make sure that we've got the cutest baby that's ever existed in all of human history. Now we gotta make sure that our kid gets straight A's, not for their benefit, but for ours, so we can have that sticker on the back of our car that says honor roll parent. <laughs> I didn't make the honor roll, you better make up for it. <laughs> we, we, we gotta be careful because if we live uh, for, for if, if people are our audience, they will control our reward If we live for their approval, we will also die, of course, in the lack of it. The crowd is fickle, but I've got a God. You've got a God whose favor comes on your life and stays on your life. And even in your worst moment, when everybody else ran out on you, God will never run out on you. God says, I've got favor. God says, I love you. I'm with you and will never leave you. What would happen if you made the Lord your reward? Here's a question. This is a real question. You got to ask this of yourself. Do you want to be popular or do you want purpose? Because they usually ain't the same. And that's bad grammar, but it's good preaching. Ask one of the Old Testament prophets, did you feel popular? (laughs) Because we live in a world that says, if you're famous, you're great. In my days, I met a few famous people that weren't so great. But here it is, I've met a few great people that weren't so famous. I have a name registered in heaven. Mine is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. I am his and he is mine. And I wish somebody would find their shout again. If God knows your name, it doesn't matter who else does. Come on, anybody know God picked you, God chose you, God approved of you, God has put love on you. So what's happening in the text? David is dancing, ushering in the presence of God back to the city of Jerusalem. They're putting priority on God's presence and everybody has come out to watch this event to see the ark restored to Jerusalem and the mercy seat, the tabernacle of God. David's dancing. I mean, not just dancing, but is dancing. You know, we've got like our customary church dances. You know, nowadays it's kind of like the little jump. Back back in deep 90s, it was kind of like, you remember these? When... It wasn't the cool in style, like in vogue church dance. It was like just wild dancing, like undignified dancing. And the presence of God is in fact restored, which is evidence of the fact that God was pleased. So God liked the dance, even though no one else did. Michael's saying, you're embarrassing yourself dancing around in your drawers. And, and David says, this was before the Lord who chose me and rejected your father. Now, hold on. Now we are set up with a contrast between Saul and David. Saul spent a lifetime worrying about the opinions of people. David spent his lifetime worrying about, is God pleased? I don't have time to, to go into all of it, but one failed as king, one was faithful as king. Here's, what, here's the kind of stuff Saul did. 1 Samuel thirteen eleven. When I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come, I made the burnt offering. I disobeyed God. Now one king was rejected, the other was accepted. One looked for the opinions of people, one cared if God was pleased. Here's the principle, living for the opinions of people will always hold you on the fringe of your purpose. Why are you dancing around, your clothes coming off, looking crazy? Oh, I'm sorry, you must be mistaken. This isn't for you, this is for the one that called me. And you must, you must not understand this, that when everybody else looked past me, it's, it's as if David's mind flashed back to that moment when they called in everybody because the prophet was there to anoint a new ruler of Israel, and they forgot about David and left David on the field, that the very Spirit of God said, no, there's one that's still out there. David remembered, God knows how to find me in obscurity, God knows how to find me in the field, and I refuse to sink back into worrying about people's opinions instead of walking out God's purpose, who found me when nobody else. Mm-hmm. It's as if David was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go back to all that. I'm not going to go back to trying to get people to look at me when I already know that God found me and God looks at me. And keep in mind, when God chose David, David hadn't even done anything. Except, you know, tins to some sheep The world tends to celebrate all the wrong stuff, celebrate talent, and and celebrate what can be seen. People always celebrate the wrong stuff. Everybody liked Saul because Saul had height. But God liked David because David had heart. People never pick right. But God always does. Hey, look, let me say this. They might miss it, but God sees it. And David said, all I see is the God that sees me. Don't let people that didn't give you your purpose be the ones that you live to please. Hey, they might not see it, but God sees it. They they, they might not see the fact that you cleaned the whole house only for your whole family to show up at exactly 3.30 p.m. and mess it up again. But God saw. They they might not see the fact that you could have lied and got your way out of an embarrassing situation. They might not see it, but God sees Nobody else in your seating section might know that you coasted into church on fumes and you're worried about everything, but you decided instead of sleeping in like you wanted to do to get yourself to the house of God and lift up a broken praise. To li- they might not see, but God sees. We got all these Christian cliches. You know, we're so good at Christian, Christian cliches. I do it for an audience of one. And that's where we want to get. But can I submit to you that if we're going to get there, we're going to have to learn. If we're going to be faithful, we're going to have to learn to deal with all the other faces that are inevitably always in the crowd. Always in the crowd. Who's your audience? We might talk about what you're doing, but here's a better question. Who are you doing it for? I want to show you something and then I'm going to shut it down. Luke chapter twenty two verse sixty nine. Jesus says, "But from now on," so that sounds permanent. That sounds like this is this is where you will find me. This is where I'm going to be. From now on, the Son of Man shall be seated. Everyone say seated. seated. The Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God which is to say after the work of the cross had been accomplished, after Jesus went down into the grave only to rise on the third day and ascend into glory, Jesus sat down. Jesus, this is the permanent uh, theological posture of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down. Jesus said, the work is done. I'm gonna sit down. Now, flash forward to the book of acts the church is born the holy spirit's poured out a great revival that we're still a part of today as we sit in victory faith church that's been spreading across the world ever since is initiated the church is expanding at such a rate that the apostles are looking at each other and saying we need help we've got to we've got to add to the team we need some we need some more people with lanyards we need some people to go through growth track we need some we, we got to add some people and through the holy spirit's help one of the people chosen was named Stephen. Stephen had just been waiting tables just doing the mundane faithful in the mundane but now would soon be found doing the miraculous and that's always the order of god that if you can be found in a place where i don't really care about the opinions of people god says now i'm going to be pleased and i can elevate you because i can trust you and Stephen's ministry is, is given a platform. Stephen's healing the sick and many people are being added to the church and Jews are converting to Christianity. And so of course this stirs up the Sanhedrin council. The haters are doing what they do best. They're hating. They bring Stephen in for a trial and they say, what are you, what are you, gonna, what are you gonna say about all these accusations that we've brought against you? And, and Stephen's response is, You're a stiff-necked people. Now, hey, let me tell you something. If you are new to church and somebody calls you stiff-necked, you just got Christian cussed at, okay? (laughs) An Advil? No, it's not that. Stiff-necked, you're stiff-necked people. And so at that, they drag Stephen outside the city to stone him. And now, let me see Acts uh, seven fifty four. Now, watch this. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, now hold on. Now hold on. We just read it. That was Bible. That Jesus was what seated at the right hand of God. But now we find here in this moment. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Can I submit to you today that Stephen in that moment of martyrdom got a standing ovation from Jesus? And maybe, just maybe, if you'll allow me to use my theological imagination and fill it in, Maybe Jesus saw the faithfulness of Stephen to look throughout that crowd of people with angry faces and judgmental faces. And Stephen was able to look through every face in the crowd and find the only face that mattered, the face of Jesus who was pleased, who was saying, well done, good and faithful servant, who was saying, I receive you into my kingdom. And hey, look, you might never be be stoned with rocks. In fact, it is my sincere prayer that you're not. But sometimes the stoning, sometimes the rocks come in the form of criticism. Sometimes the rock come, rocks come in the form of, we thought they were going to be there, but they're not there. Sometimes the rocks come in the form of neglect or abuse, and sometimes you're going to have to have the faith to look through all the crowd and to find Jesus' faith, and you're going to find the only opinion that mattered of you. Jesus was sitting, but now in your faithfulness, Jesus is standing. Can I tell you that Jesus sees your prayers? Jesus sees your tears. Jesus sees you prophesying over your teenager that's running wild. Jesus sees you're worshiping even though you could have just spent all that time in worry jesus sees you and you got a standing ovation from the only opinion that even matters jesus is clapping for you Come on, I say today, we give Jesus a standing ovation. Why don't you stand to your feet, victory faith? Why don't you let Jesus know, I so appreciate you. I'm so thankful for you. You've been there for me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You're with me. When everybody else forgot about me, you were faithful to me. You saw me, Jesus. How we love you in this place, Lord. Come on, let's just remain on our feet. Jesus, I pray right now as your presence, your glory, the power of your spirit has even filled this room where we're meeting together today. That God, you would you would help someone walk into a shift. That God, it would be different from this moment on in their spirit that where they have been running around and, and, and how do they feel and should I do this? And, and I, why did I say that? Oh, what, I should have said this. God, that we would have a firmness and a stability and a faithfulness to walk boldly, steadily. God, not into the opinions of people, but into purpose with the confidence. I prophesy a confidence over somebody today that because God is pleased, I've got all that I need. Come on, I feel that phrase for somebody. Because God is pleased, I've got all I need. Thanks for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Holy Spirit, as you work in this place, as you do what only you can do, we thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it. What was spoken over you even as a child is, it's like it's being erased and being replaced. I'm well pleased. I love you. I've chosen you. I pick you. I see you. The only opinion that matters in Jesus' awesome name. Thanks for it, Lord. Thanks for it, Lord. And all across the room with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, if you would, just for a moment with no one moving around quite yet. If you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, Or if you're here and you wanna give your life back to Jesus, maybe something happened, maybe a divorce happened, maybe addiction happened, circumstances developed, and you know this is it, this is my moment, I wanna run back into the heart of God. If that's you and you've struggled and you've attempted to do it on your own, friend, I wanna encourage you to understand this reality. There is a God in heaven. In fact, there's a God right here, right now that loves you so much that every circumstance was arranged so that you would be here in this moment under the sound of this preacher's voice so that you might hear one simple phrase that Jesus would say, I love you. I want to save you. And I want to walk with you. Doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but it means now you're going to do it in God's presence. Now you're going to do it according to God's promises. There's abundant life waiting for you on the other side of faith decision. Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I need you to save me. If that's you and you wanna be saved today, I'm gonna ask that with our, again, our heads bowed, our eyes closed, no one looking around. This is between you and God now. If you wanna be saved today, you wanna come back to God, I'm gonna ask on the count of three, you just boldly just shoot your hand up into the air so I can see it. I'm just gonna pray with you today. On the count of three, God loves you so much. Jesus is so ready to save and make it all different from the inside out. On the count of three. One. Two, three, raise that hand into the air. I see the hand, I see that hand. Thanks, God, I see the hand. I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand, I see that hand. Thanks, God, for hands all over the auditorium, all over your church today. Thank you for your saving power. Thanks for it, Lord. You can put your hands down. Would you just pray silently with me in your heart? Jesus, I put my faith in you now. I trust you. I pray that you would save me. Would you wash me in the cleansing power of your blood that I might be made new. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might step out of death and into life and walk with you forever. Jesus, I thank you for seeing me. I thank you for calling me. I thank you for knowing my name. And so now in response, I call on your name, the name of Jesus, that I might be saved. Thank you for making me yours. I make you mine. Thanks for making me a Christian. And in Jesus' awesome name, we all said together, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate with people. Come on, the Bible says that the angels throw a party up there. Let's throw a party down here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.